welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amore. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Anne Gleason, welcome to Unbroken. Thanks, Alexandra. Lovely to talk to you from the other side of the world. Yes, I think you're my first Australian guest. This is very exciting. <laughs> I feel honored. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in the principles? Okay. Um, I grew up in a very uh, traditional farming family in some ways, but all curiosity about the way that you know the world worked and I mean beyond the earth you know and then um, in 2017 uh, my mother was dying and I was caring for her and then uh, there was a creative workshop in the town I lived and that was so surprising to me because uh, I didn't think of things like that like generally it was agricultural meetings and that kind of thing but anyway um, I couldn't do it then because of the circumstances but a year later I joined that group and it was run by somebody called Robin Emerson who was a really beautiful creator and she also was so interested in you know these ways of operating in the world and she lent me lots of books and I just kind of ran with it and then enrolled in the the next time the change coach little school of big change course came up with Amy Johnson and uh, it was very liberating for me I think you know, I realized how caught up in my thinking I was, how much of my own annoyance or sadness or whatever was to do with the way I was creating experience. So that was how I got involved in the beginning. And yeah, yeah, so I joined and, you know, made connections with people and that was really lovely. Um, Yeah, so. And um, so did Robin, was that the person's name you mentioned? Mm -hmm. Did she so you said she loaned you books so some of them were three principles involved uh yes they were um well amy's books for a start amy johnson's books Mm -hmm. but also other books like michael singer and uh, the person i really cottoned on to it wasn't actually a book it was barb patterson's uh podcast and because I was in business it was very interesting to me sort of looking at it from that point of view so it was a whole range of things and you know I was hungry so I you know gobbled up a whole lot of things yeah yeah and had you before that time had you read like were you always interested in this kind of exploration I think like a lot I've had this experience a few times thinking yeah, but I already knew that, you know, when I was 15 or whatever, you know, just <laughs> yeah. kind of knowing and, but, you know, this, I suppose, was giving me a bit of a language and that's not to say, you know, I, I, that I sort of sort of went with that in any way. I didn't, but even at uni, you know, I went from this country kid going off to Monash Uni in Melbourne and that was, you know, so exciting for me and <clears throat> um, I'd run race around and go to all different courses and 
uh, talks and anything that was, was my mind, you know, was just being expanded in so many ways or my heart or whatever. Yeah. So, yes, I think I was a seeker always. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so then one of the things it mentions on your website is that you're a funeral celebrant uh, as well as part of your work. So do, do you think that has been influenced at all by the principles? Has the funeral work been influenced? Yeah. Yes. I, oh, my, every single part of my life has. Mm. And um, yeah, I've worked in the area of bereavement care and, you know, for um, more the whole funeral industry for uh, probably 15 years or so. Now I'm not formally part of the funeral industry, but I work still as a celebrant making the ceremonies. But I work two days a week with aged care people, people at the end stage of life and in palliative care. So people who are very close to the end of their life here. Mm-hmm. So um, most definitely um, I've, I've described the place I work, even though it's a happy place in many ways, as a reservoir of grief mm-hmm. because so many people carry such heavy loads. And certainly, yeah, I think um I mean, I'm not formally a coach in that setting, but that's why I was employed because of my coaching work. So, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the politics around counseling, coaching, you know, that sort of thing. But um, I was lucky to have the combination of the funeral work, the bereavement work, the celebrant work. So, um, anyway, I just love the work sitting there with people who have lived a lot longer than me. Mm. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned the reservoir of grief there too. Do you think this understanding has helped you personally with feelings of grief or how, I guess what I'm asking is how do you understand grief maybe now? Well, I I understand it now. I mean, I understand it as being, you know, we are really, when we're really grief struck, we're really caught up in that moment of um the the horror the worst of it and I suppose two things one is you know that I've learned not just with grief but with other things you know to really lean into that experience rather than resisting it Mm. so that's something you know that I'll bring to people um, not just in that coaching but in general coaching as well and I suppose too it's the you know it's the fluctuating you know the old cloud analogy you know that sometimes it's terrible and you can't bear to go on living another day without that person and then you know another time you're you know out in the garden being reminded of their joyful presence you know and I think too that lots of us have questions about you know how how life works and um, you know, I've become really interested in lots of the discussion lately on non-duality and, um, you know, thinking about the world differently environmentally because of that. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So like you said, it's really affected every area of your life. Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And my other coaching is like very practical kinds of things people have come because um I had quite an academic background so sometimes it's people doing academic studies and not you know being unsure about that or not confident and other times it's people exploring their creativity or um more um you know hesitation about taking on a new position or all different things like that so um I I like the mix that I'm doing at the moment Mm. Mm -hmm. oh nice oh that's great um 
And one thing your website mentioned too, was you experienced a cancer diagnosis in 2020. And Mm. um, so could you talk about that and, and how that affected your understanding of thought, if at all? Yeah, I find this so interesting because, I mean, I'm not not a person who goes around saying thanks for the gift of cancer, but it was a horrible, horrible um, time, but it wasn't. It's sort of what I just said about grief. It actually was a really special time. Um, My cancer diagnosis uh, coincided with the complete breakdown of a fairly awful marriage, loss of the business, um, some other sort of things that were going on that were hard to deal with. So it was really, you know, kind of on the surface, but it wasn't in another way. I just felt so drawn into nature. It was just my, um, I knew that's what my body needed to be healed. And so I would go out and just walk and, you know, lean against the trees and that kind of thing. So I just felt very in touch with being just a little part of the world. And then, um, I went through, you know, the treatment um, during 2020. And, of course, I don't know if you know, but the state I live in had the most severe restrictions in the world in terms of COVID. Mm. So we were very confined. So the um, experience of being in that meant that I was by myself a lot of the time. And that was okay. But um, it also I I had actually thought before COVID or before cancer I'm going to have 2020 as a dwelling year, you know, just kind of being, well, I didn't know quite how much I'd be dwelling. But anyway, um, you know, that was what happened. But then I think the most interesting thing of all was um, towards the end I received an invitation, as did many people, asking if I would like to be a change coach. Um, And this was um, with Dr Amy Johnson. And I spoke to her on Zoom and we talked about it and I said, look, I'm, I'm not really wanting to be a coach. I just want more understanding. And she said, well, that's fine. You know, heaps of people do the coaching and, you know, don't do more. But I was, I think when you you get the cancer diagnosis, you know, it sounds so dramatic and you don't know if you're going to be alive in three months' time or, you know, three years' time or 33 years' time. And I just had this hunger again. I was thinking, well, if I have, um, if I have a, only a shorter time to live, then I really want to know more about this because just living in the moment and not resisting the cancer and the treatment and, you know, some of the harder bits had been so helpful to me. And so I thought, well, if, you know, if I have just a little bit of time, I want to be really living fully, you know, with this, not resisting the anything and just going with dying early. Um, well, that didn't happen. Here I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I started the change coach training and I think I was only like, you know, the two lessons in or something. And of course, there's a practical component where we were all coaching and even the first person I coached, I just loved it and felt it felt very natural to me. So although I'd said to Amy, I'm not remotely interested in coaching, <laughs> I pretty quickly was very interested. So, yeah, there was another slant then to my uh, doing the course. Yeah. yeah. The training, oh. training course, yes. Yeah. And and so what, what do you, can you pinpoint what it was about it that you really loved? I, I think I actually felt useful you know I could see things um you know that were hold-ups for people or whatever Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I've always loved listening to people and loved people's stories. And I think it was that real connection with people on a deeper level that I really liked. Mm. But feeling useful is good too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We always love that. Those people would agree that <laughs> from my side, it felt good. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. It's a good feeling to feel useful. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing was, you know, I, I resisted the fearful kind of approach to the whole medical thing and just went with it mm-hmm. and really took on such a strong connection with nature. That, I mean, I think I've always had that, but um, it was intensified immensely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if during your cancer treatments and that kind of thing, um, you used, you know, you talked about how you, you didn't, you tried not to resist what was happening Mm. and can you maybe share a little bit about what that looked like that lack of resistance yeah so just thinking that death could be part of my experience you know Mm. and um like not even really planning too much about it just taking that on you know that oh well maybe I do just have a short time to live and um then other things would be well some of the treatment is quite painful it's physically painful and um, I've joked about this with um, the group uh, that, you know, I'm on the other side of Australia and I'm remembering Amy talking about, you know, pain and pre- as being pressure or heat. But when you actually hear on the other side of the world with all the people in their white coats and you're trying to remember that, it doesn't um, ring quite quite as true. But in a way that was it, you know, that I wasn't I, just thinking, well, it's, it is just pain. It is. And, you know, I sort of had quite a reaction to some of the treatments and well, that's what's happening, you know, but also a little bit still connected with the nature thinking, oh, well, in this organism, you know, that's what's going on. And like looking at the different formations of trees and, you know, how the lichen grows on some trees and not on others. So, and, and just again, taking opportunities, like, as I said, it was during COVID and Oh, just for example, the radiation was one of the things that I had this extraordinary reaction to. Mm. And uh, rather than focusing on the pain and the burn and whatnot, focusing on these delightful young women who were there, you know, the radiologists and just trying to enjoy their story a little bit. Because, of course, everyone was eager for a chat, given the circumstances that we weren't allowed to be together. Yeah. Yeah. Except in that situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I imagine too, there are a lot, there's lots of thinking and, and emotions that go along with that kind of a cancer diagnosis you touched on. It gave you a bit of a perspective about your life um, in that larger way. And then mm-hmm. in smaller ways too, I imagine it must've helped you. Yeah. With the thinking that went on, you know, day to day, sort of moment to moment. Is that true? Yes. Um I, well, I think I, do, I just became lighter, you know, which is quite bizarre. Mm. And I also came out with a very clear resolution. I and mean, you'll think I'm the biggest hypocrite on earth if I tell you, because I thought if I only can achieve one thing now, it's to write the story of my sister. My sister lives with multiple disabilities. And um, uh, I still have to, I, I have to say, well, that's still my resolution. <laughs> it's, it hasn't been accomplished. So, but Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've got time now, though. I guess that's the nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it must have been such an such a uh, well, I want I was going to say isolating experience. 
um, to be going through COVID and to be going through cancer at the same time. But it sounds like it didn't really strike you that way. That's correct. And the more isolating experience was the more personal things of the end of the marriage and business and everything, you know, that was Mm. awful. But, um, yeah, no, I couldn't say that, you know, I I can't say I had the same experience as many people who speak of the lockdowns here um, because it it wasn't like that for me. Mm -hmm. It was okay to be on my own and uh, do what I needed to. I mean, I wasn't completely on my own. I had all these medical staff uh, company. Yeah. 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 And my children got permission to come and um, be with me for a a bit of help after the surgery and whatnot. Oh, good. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So we, when we were, we had our little email exchange, we um, talked a bit about overing habits. And (laughs) so I, I tend to focus on talking about overeating Um, but we can really use that word overing to talk about any uh, unwanted habit. And so do you work with clients a little bit on those sorts of things, correct? Yes. So some of those things I mentioned, for example, people starting in a new position are very anxious about it, you know, so the overthinking and, and me, you know, I had that experience this year where I was starting something new and I could you know, pick myself up on that overthinking um, or oh, like kind of, you know, making up stories in my head about um, things I was, you know, making as might be problems, for example. And um, so, yeah, so those kind of things. And sometimes, yeah, just getting, uh, listening to people and, yeah, hearing where their holdups are, I suppose, is, uh, you know, one of the things. And, I think um, almost everybody that I've worked with, their overthinking is a problem for all of us. You know, we overanalyze, <laughs> we predict, we, you know, create all sorts of scenarios. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so if someone's not familiar with the inside out understanding, where would you begin with them? If, you know, if if they're if they're overthinking things. Right where they are, I think. So they mm. won't. They won't come and say, I'm overthinking. They'll come and say, um, you know, I've got this project that I want to start and I can't make myself start, yeah. So, yeah, uh-huh. then I'd you know, tap in here and, and yeah, kind of try and uh, get them to see what's actually stopping them, yeah. And then, you know, uh, like a bit of an explanation of, you know, how the mind might be busy protecting them from starting something new and an adventure that, yeah, might have a bit of risk and whatever, I'm trying to keep them in the safe territory of not doing what they want to do. So <clears throat> that might be where I go with something like that. Mm-hmm. And do you find people uh, catch on quite quickly? Like what's your experience of when they see it? Um. No, I don't. Um, I think sometimes it's surprising. So I do a coaching session and then I send out an email to them, you know, maybe a week later or so. And and although I feel that I've said what I've said in the email, sometimes they'll come back to me and say, that was so amazing to read that, you know, so it might be the second time or, you know, it might be, you know, that then we have another follow-up session and they'll catch on to something that's been said the first time. So, uh, yeah, no, that can often happen. 
And I suppose yeah. too, like I'm not um, overtly starting off with the three principles, although I'm operating from that understanding. I'm not sort of coming in heavy with that. And um, I think I am, I mean, I am immediately bringing it in, but I'm not using those terms. Yes. Right. Oh, that's such a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, um, I don't have a lot of people. So I have the two days where I'm working with the older people, there were the people in care and then, and some of those are in palliative care. So they're very close to the end of their life. And then the other people I'm working with, I try and have five ongoing clients and, you know, over time, like you build up such an extraordinary relationship. So um, I, I can't uh, see how people do so many, but people do it very well. I mean, I've seen, I've been the recipient of people who have a lot more and uh, have coached me and, and been very successful. So I'm not um, at all making judgments. I'm just saying for me, this works, having five ongoing clients, and then that allows other people to come in, you know, just for uh you know, a single or a package of three or whatever. But I think, you know, in that time when you have an ongoing relationship and you're operating at this depth and you're sort of exploring together, you do become so close. It's just really special. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that soul connection that happens. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, um, Alexandra, I don't know if it's the same for you. I am a a bit isolated in that there's far fewer people down this end of the world uh, talking about this. But mm. I um, have, you know, maintained connections with some of the people in America that I, you know, studied with initially, and that's been very special. And then last year I went over to the conference in the middle of the year, and that was uh like I think me just sort of wanting to be in the environment with people. It wasn't, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to learn a huge amount or anything like that. But it was really, um, yeah, wanting to have that real, that connection at that level. And interesting, Robin, the person who introduced me in the very first place, now lives interstate. We live a long way apart from each other. Mm-hmm. But every phone call we have, which is not often, but every few months or so, that's inevitably what we talk about. Yeah, so we're our understanding <laughs> yeah oh that's lovely yeah I was in Portland a few weeks ago with Michael Neal and Barbara Patterson Uh, they had a little weekend two-day sort of workshoppy I I never know what to call it was it a retreat was it a workshop I don't know anyway and it was the first ever three principles thing I had gone to in person and Yeah, it was extraordinary to meet other people and have those conversations in person it was really lovely Mm. so I can see the attraction of of doing that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you mentioned your sister and and her disabilities. Um, I wondered. It occurred to me that that when there's it, you know it's one thing to be dealing with our the our own challenges in our lives. Like you talked about your cancer diagnosis and the breakdown of your marriage and the end of the business, you know, those are things that are happening to us personally. So I wondered with, with someone in your life who themselves is experiencing struggles, um, what's it been like for you see, you know, being with her and has that changed uh, since you've come across this understanding? Yeah. So hugely. Mm. Um, 
I've probably always been the one who's been her big sister. Like as kids, we shared a room. And interestingly, one of the things that got me to actually sign up on the Little School of Big Change or one of the issues that I had when I came was to do with her. She had been overdosed. She lives in a care-supported accommodation and she had been given someone else's drugs on top of her own and so um, arrested and a staff member and I, you know, did CPR and she lived but for a whole weekend she, you know, stopped breathing and um, that was on and off. So a very critical situation and I was consumed with anger, not because of the mistake, you know, I make mistakes, but um, I was consumed with anger because I perceived the carelessness of the organisation in having this happen, you know, um, the circumstances are not so relevant, but there were circumstances that should not have been the case, you know. that I was just, I couldn't get out of this anger. I mean, I was traumatised, obviously, like that was a physical reaction from the time, but I couldn't let it go. Whereas over time I, you know, came to think quite compassionately about these people who are in jobs that where aspects are beyond them and who hasn't been in a job where aspects are beyond me. Um, And also I thought, you know, they just don't have, like how ridiculous like expecting them to do what they can't do and then one thing um this was actually something that amy talked about that really resonated and i know a lot of us found it quite jarring because we were thinking of very confronting situations but she was sort of saying like if you were that person you would do the same Mm. you know that's very confronting when you think of some of the things that people do to other people and so, yeah, I kind of softened and thought, well, yeah, it would be pretty awful working in a a job where you don't actually have the capacity to do all the things that are required. And, you know, the just sort of accepting, well, they were doing the best. But, of course, I mean, there's another heart level where my sister almost died because of the um, way things were being done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where I've changed. <clears throat> and I think, too, I grew up super protective of her we all did in our family. We were very protective. Um, you know, I remember back to, uh, you know, when people use pretty ordinary terms to describe someone like Denise and, you know, our defence as siblings. But <clears throat> I think uh, in more recent years I was able to step, have been able to step back a little bit in that I knew I needed to move out of that situation. We were living in the same town and I knew that for my health, I needed to not be in the situation with the previous marriage, the business, et cetera, that I was now not part of. But that meant leaving my sister. And it was, you know, it was agonising. I felt very torn about that. Um, but, yeah, so a bit of trust, I suppose. I Like I'm not the only one. Other people can do this. <laughs> people don't have sister. Not everyone has a sister. So, yeah, I move, I've moved in that way too. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not pretending I find it easy. I don't, yeah. No, no. And then in terms of her suffering, which I don't know if she experiences suffering, but um, has the way you see that, if it exists, has that changed? And I guess I'm asking because that's something I struggle with is, is seeing other people suffering and really getting a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not so sure. I think uh, the understanding has certainly made me more compassionate about a lot of things that I might not have had a connection, but I think I've always had that very strong connection with Denise, my sister, and uh, sort of worked pretty hard in sort of with the organisation that's often very difficult and challenging in a whole lot of ways because I want things to be better for her. But I guess, you know, I've expanded a bit because it's not just her. I want things to be better for all people with intellectual disabilities. Or mm. um, I listened to a very powerful interview. It was on Changeable. So, again, it was Amy Johnson's podcast with a woman called Malene, and mm. I can't remember her surname, but it was on the um, interconnectedness of all species, and it just had such a powerful effect on me. You know, when something there's just a standout one sometimes that will really yeah. trigger something, and that did have such an effect on me. Um, like even in the way I treat my dogs, I was kind of suddenly thinking, well, why should I, you know, have a more comfortable situation than them, and and that kind of thing. That uh, you know, she'd made more dramatic changes in her life than I have. Uh, my, way more, um, but it yeah it was something that really affected me in the way she spoke about the mm. interconnectedness of species. Yes. Oh, cool. Well, thank you for mentioning that. I will. I'll find that episode and put it in the show notes for sure, uh, mm. so people can see it. Um, yeah. So, just as we're coming to the end of our time here, I just wanted to ask: Is there anything else that you would like to share that we haven't touched on yet today? Yeah, well, probably one of the most important things in my life is my writing. So, um, you know, I've written three books of poetry. And it's interesting to me, it sort of comes back to your first question. Like, I think there are things that I've written about that are based on the three principles, like a concept in a poem that I wasn't aware of, like, you know, they're from back further. But I know, too, in my writing that I have, you know, this, it's a different lens, like everything has changed. And so my poetry is such a joy and satisfaction to me and it connects me with a whole nother community. Um, so I think, yeah, that's something where I can see the change, but I can also think, oh, well, that's interesting that I could write that back then when I didn't have that understanding in a formal way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fascinating. It, to me, that points to... Uh, the truthfulness of, you know, of these, of this understanding Mm, or the universality, I want to say almost. Yeah. Yeah. And also our, um, our own connection with it, you know, that it's part of us. It's not kind of out there. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. It's us. Yeah. 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 Oh, really well said. So where can we find out more about you and your work and, Okay, well, I have two websites. So okay. www.stormtosky.com okay. is my sort of business to do with coaching and funeral work and www.eagleason.com.au is my writing website. Ah, okay. All right. Well, I'll put links to both of those as well in the show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. Wonderful. Thanks, Alexandra. And I love hearing from people. So it's all right if people just want to send through an email or whatever. So the details on the websites, yes. Okay, great. 
Fantastic. Well, Anne, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. I've loved to doing it, doing it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Take care. <clears throat> Bye-bye. Bye, Alexandra. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you'd like to connect, go to alexandraamore.com forward slash connect. I'll see you next time.